this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. Okay, everybody, I'm popping in here because I kind of made a promise that I might have a little something special for you today. Merry Christmas. And, uh, What I'm going to leave here is going to be five episodes. These are episodes that I originally recorded back in about January. And this was when the show was something very different, when I was still doing this under further questions. And I thought maybe I was going to do a show about the paranormal. And I had on five friends. And these are five episodes. They haven't been living anywhere since then. So I decided, what better day than today? to drop these into your feed. So if something sounds a little out of date and we talk about things before COVID, well, that's because this was before COVID. So enjoy the episodes. Remember what the world was like back then, about a year ago. And uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow when I come back with a new episode. Just finished watching episode seven of In the Trail of UFOs. Crap, I should have sent you eight. I forgot I only sent you through seven. Everything you guys do, it's like, I, I see where, you, where you've gone and I'm like, wow, that was such great production quality. And the next one comes out and it's like, not just a movement forward, you guys always seem to leap forward. And I thought that this one was just by far the best thing that you've done. Oh, wow. Thank you. It's fantastic. and I mean, it's such depth too, you know, like maybe that has something to do with it as well. Being able to go eight episodes... Yeah, there's a lot more planned for this too. Yeah, it's an ongoing thing, right? It's going to continue going. Everything's changed. I mean, we can talk about this on the show, but everything's kind of changed as far as like how it's ongoing. It's it's kind of altered because originally it was going to be like each season, quote unquote season was going to be a different topic. Now we're basically like launching multiple ongoings at once. So on the trail of UFO season two is going to come out uh, probably next year and on the trail of Bigfoot season two is going to come out next year. And then we're also going to do an on the trail of the Lake Michigan Mothman special. And then there's probably going to be on the trail of haunts or hauntings coming out um, fairly soon too. So we just have to, there's a lot of like production things we have to figure out as far as doing all that. Cause I can't, I obviously can't shoot all of that, Um, but we have people that are involved that we could, we'll figure it out. Something along the lines of what you did with On the Trail of Champ? Um, 
Yeah, to an extent. The problem with Champ was that I had no involvement in it at all. So it's just like after everything was done already, basically. Yeah, and I kind of tried to help steer things. And Alexander did an amazing job because obviously he kind of like set the stage for what we would do going forward. But um, I, I also, when I watched that one, I feel like it, there's something about it. It doesn't feel like an SDM production. And it could also just be that his budget was non-existent and he was trying to do everything by himself. So I just want to be more involved in the post-production side of of anything else that I'm not there to shoot. For sure, I'm involved. I'm basically going to do everything for On the Trail of Bigfoot again. So I'm planning on shooting, narrating, being in it, all that stuff. And then uh, UFOs and uh, the hauntings thing will probably... I'll be involved, but I'm not sure yet to what extent. Well, I can imagine the reason the Bigfoot one was because Bigfoot, as far as topics, as far as I can tell, is your baby. Like, that's your big topic. Yeah. Are we recording? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure because I was going to, uh, yeah, we, I don't know. I don't know when this episode is dropping, but we're going to drop the announcement pretty soon. But yeah, the, it's definitely the subject I can't get away from. So I keep coming back to it. And, um, uh, we're in the process of like planning how to do it because UFOs and Bigfoot are really different. Like UFOs, we could do a dozen seasons just like season one, like structure wise, and you wouldn't run out of things to talk about. With Bigfoot, you're going to run out of stuff pretty quick. Like I actually feel like we sort of said everything we needed to say about the history of the entire phenomenon in the in the first season. So what what does like a season two and a three and four or whatever look like? And so um, I've kind of narrowed that down to being more um, localized. So each episode is going to be sort of in a specific region. Um, so we're in the process of planning the first couple episodes of season two. And it, it looks like um, we're doing one of two things. I'm not, I, these are being locked down but the first it's i know it's going to be a two or three parter that starts it off um and it's either going to be alaska or uh, a trip up the bc coast on a boat which we're talking to some people about doing so we really want to get out into like areas that are sort of the, the original bigfoot habitat and then and then sort of come back to our roots so i'm sure there'll be some i'm not yet positive what the states are going to be that we are involved in in season two but i know i want to hit west virginia um because we for whatever reason we haven't done anything with with west virginia in any of the on the trail of stuff yet um so i want to get to west virginia and um there's a researcher or investigator there named les odell and uh i think him and i are just going to go out for like a few days in some active areas and um see if anything happens and then also you know like i'll be it won't the show won't become just me like with night vision running around in the woods <laughs> we have plenty of that <laughs> yeah it'll, it'll still be the the stuff that sort of sets us apart from that kind of stuff but um i do want to get more investigative in general with on the trail of moving forward i mean on the trail is the lake michigan mothman that that project's going to be very uh very much like a look at in investigation like like you like paranormal investigation because i just don't feel like we've done that yet something more akin to like a hellier um 
I haven't seen Hellier, but I oh, I would I would say it's um you know like what I always go back to are the shows that I love are like the the seventies and and some of the early eighties docs. Um, there's one that was about uh, Robert W. Morgan looking for for Bigfoot at Mount St. Helens, and it's been it's weird because it's been reworked into like multiple titles so every now and then i see footage from it popping up in some other doc from like the 70s or 80s i never heard of so that's kind of weird but it was actually called on the trail of or in search of bigfoot but it wasn't part of in search of it was just called in search of bigfoot and it was like this 80 minute long doc about robert w morgan and his crew looking for bigfoot near mount st helens and um, they end up getting driven away by forest fires and it's really interesting because nothing happens like they're right. the entire doc is them like running around looking for Bigfoot and not finding anything, but there's something so honest about it. And I've always loved that. And so I want to see that kind of like approach to, to a paranormal investigation. And it's more about like, like Tobias and Emily Wayland are going to be our, our central figures in that in on the, on the trail of Lake Michigan Mothman. And they're going to talk to witnesses and, you know, other investigators and stuff like that. So typical SDM, but more investigative, I think. I feel like there's this new wave of, in a way, like you said, going back to old wave of, uh, I'm hesitant to always use the word paranormal because I feel like there's kind of, when I say the word paranormal, people usually just automatically go to ghosts. Sure. the unreal is a word that I'll use. Um, but, you know, just dealing with this kind of stuff lately in the last, I'd say everything after Unsolved Mysteries until recently, everything has been sensationalized. And not that Unsolved Mysteries wasn't, but it was also the first time that this stuff was really mainstream other than in search of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm obsessed with Unsolved Mysteries too. Oh, me too. You know, I've gone through the Prime, gone yeah. through every episode on Prime about 12 times. Yeah, me too. Like, well, we can probably have conversations about episodes. <laughs> yeah, I, my favorite. My I can tell you, my favorite recreation is the uh, the um, Hudson Valley Triangle episode. Oh where yeah, they get, where, where they get into the Black Triangles, and that was like one of the thrills for me about making on the trail of UFOs, getting to do Hudson Valley. But you know, after the fact, I was like, man, that was that was fun, and we did a good job, and like Santino didn't, you know, some nice effects for our Hudson Valley thing, but um. It was no unsolved mystery. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always go back to my first thing when I think of it is Matthew McConaughey when he's, uh, I can't remember the name of the guy right now, but uh, Gene Bell is the guy that kills him. And he's in at one episode, give me your keys. I'm like, oh, yes, you learned how to act later. <laughs> yeah. But that was the beauty of weird, it, too. It is. And there's a weird. Um, timelessness to those episodes. There's still, see, there's there was something really unsettling about that show because I can remember as a kid being at my grandma's house because my my family didn't have TV, like my, my grandparents had cable, and I'd be over there and I would I would leave the room if if that show was on. Even the theme song freaked me out. Oh yeah, as a kid, and um, there's something still that holds up about it. Like some of those recreations are really unsettling there's the one about the girl who tried to tell everyone that she was being like stalked and threatened and no one believed her and oh, the one that she, they found in the ditch yeah yeah they end up finding her well i think she was 
She was, was tied she? with her hands behind her back. Yes, right? that's it. Yeah. No one. But then they tried her. to say it was suicide. Yeah, they claimed it was suicide. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, yeah, we just, everybody. Just, welcome to nerding out yeah. on unsolved mysteries. <laughs> I was gonna say we should just change this into a an unsolved mysteries. I could seriously so. talk about this for days. Like, yeah, I know. It's, no it's, joke. It's really good, and it's funny because um, um, I heard that the whoever owns the rights to Cosgrove Media. Okay, so I heard that that there's like a a couple, there's there's two men or something that are like at the at sort of the center of all that, and they supposedly really do not l- like the paranormal episodes. And so I had heard um, someone I know in Hollywood was actually trying to get the rights to make the show, but they were pitching it very heavily as like a not a paranormal show, but but there would be a much more of a focus on the paranormal. And I guess that was like a huge turnoff for, for what did you say, Cosgrove? Cosgrove, I'm not sure if they still Cosgrove. own the rights to it. They did. Okay. Um, but then I can't, I'm totally blanking on the name of the people who finally got it. Yeah. Onto um, Netflix or whatever. Film Rise. Oh, Film Rise. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. But someone, didn't they just announce that someone's like doing new episodes? I thought we had, I thought someone had announced that recently. I hope so. I mean, there yeah. was that re that, that revival briefly in the early two thousands with Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, oh, I don't um, think I saw that. I saw the Dennis Farina. Yeah, and that was terrible. <laughs> it was like yeah. the they cut everything in like a quarter of the of the you know they cut out as much of the reenactment as possible. Right. They lost all the charm. Farina is awesome, but yeah, yeah that, was, that, that was that was the that only thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I started those those hit. Prime first, so I started going through those, and I was like, "Oh, this is unsatisfying, painful." Yeah. So, did you? Um, sorry, you're you're like I've only talked to maybe like two people, and I've you might be the first person I've talked to where you've watched the whole almost the entire on the trail of. So, what did you? Can you give me like give me what you? Well, first of all, the first note that I have that goes along with what we're saying right here mm-hmm. is the reenactments in episode one totally gave me the unsolved mysteries vibe. Oh, cool! Yeah. And yeah. I'm using reenactments with air quotes because it's not really, there's not people reenacting. Right. The special yeah. effects. You know, yeah, the, this one we were, we were bridging. I mean, it's very different from on the trail of Bigfoot because on the trail of Bigfoot, I mean, there's some, some like supposedly spooky footage or something whenever someone's telling a story, but it's, it, I wanted to stay away from recreations with Bigfoot and I probably will even more so with season two. Um, but with this one, I almost wanted to bridge the gap between like our movies and on the trail of and still keep it, you know, don't put like actors in it uh, or even or even like full blown animation, like what we do with the movies. But like do do something that was like a POV kind of perspective thing. So good. I'm glad Santino did most of the the effect shots for the recreations. There's a few there's a few different ways we did the recreations. There was. Santino doing like the animation in that one, especially when Dan Weiss is telling his story and it cuts to like the, the, uh, the candy ship is what Santino calls it, um, <laughs> in the sky. Uh, that was, that was all Santino, um, which is like a blend of CG. I think it, it actually is just CG on, you know, real, real shots and then he makes it look cool. Um, and then there's, there's actually just some lights. Like I did a lot of shots of, you know, cause eventually you're, this is the most expensive thing we've ever done. 
Right. And, and yeah. And at a certain point money ran out and I, and I was shooting like these, I bought these little lights on, this is some real inside baseball stuff that no one's going to care about. Um, I bought these lights on like Amazon and then I would take them in my office and turn off all the lights and film them on the ground doing different things. <laughs> and then I, would uh, put those over, like I, I usually like sort of comp them into other shots to make it look like a light in the sky or whatever. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I think it does a, a decent job. It has a very like 1980s effect to it. And then weirdly enough, I actually did some of the effects shots myself as well. I think, well, hands down, I would say one of my other notes that I had coming in was best special effects I've seen in anything like this. Really? They just felt genuine. Oh, wow. And felt like you guys were trying to push it too far, mm-hmm. but it also didn't have a cheesy vibe to it at all. It was just exactly where it needed to be. Yeah, episode six is... Um, there's like 40 effect shots in that one episode alone. And Santino did... Santino did like... 12 i think and then i did close to 20 that's the ghost lights episode right yeah that's the spook lights yeah and then i did a bunch on episode i did two of the recreations on episode seven there's only one in the entire series that i will proudly like say hey i did that one and that's (laughs) when um that's the gary tribert abduction story where he's talking about how he was a kid and walked up this hill and saw a ufo over a gravel pit Um, I did that one myself and made it look like it's like eight millimeter or something. I I like the way that one turned out. Yeah. I mean, like there's also something to be said about how you, there's a cohesiveness to all the episodes, but there's also an individuality to the style of each episode. Oh yeah. This is awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Just that. These are, these are the things I never get to hear from, from anyone. (laughs) Like, like especially this early in the game, because you're you're one of like maybe eight people who see the whole thing. I noticed I was going through and looking at the underneath on the YouTube, and I was like, it was like zero views. I'm like, am I really like other than the staff, the first person to see this? Yeah, it's like it's mostly us and my son and uh, my two year old son, and uh, and then I send it to, to some friends. I don't know how many views we've had on them. I gotta watch that stuff because sometimes those links get away from us and people will share stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when we made on the trail of Bigfoot, someone that was in the final episode decided it would be cool to just share it on his Facebook page, even though it was oh. two months away from coming out. And I went to bed and when I woke up, there were 300 views on it. And I was like, oh, you no. have to be kidding me. It wasn't even a finished cut. Um, so now I'm like real paranoid about it. Check on episode three then, because you have like forty views on that one. That's fine. That like that's that's within the realm of possibility because a lot of times that's me or you know like that's <laughs> just checking I'll, it I'll, over. Yeah, I go I back the same through thing. and rewatch everything <laughs> and double check and triple check everything, quadruple check. But yeah, the the um the effects stuff on 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 this one is is pretty impressive. Given, I mean, even though it's the most expensive thing we've we've done, I think. Episode six alone probably has more effect shots in it than most of our films. Like most of our 90, you know, not 90, most of our like 60 to 70 minute movies. So, and that's a 27 minute episode. Yeah, there's, in the first one, there's that Unsolved Mysteries vibe, but there's also like a very uh, Casey Neistat vibe to it as well. Oh, cool. In everybody's backyard, just soundproof from the street. So you're, I mean, this weird little section that just feels like completely isolated. 
from everything else. There's a wall on one side and then just trees and dirt and cars on that side. So there's like, I'm in this weird little spot. And because it's redwood trees, there's, I mean, sorry, it's not redwood trees, it's pine trees because it's pine needles all over the ground. And, you know, like they're just brown, dried, dying uh, pine needles. And not just a little bit, like we're talking about like in the forest where you can't see the dirt. It's just piles of pine needles. And something about that reminded me of what it was like in San Jose, which is where I live, in the early 80s. I didn't remember this, but there was a lot of those kind of trees and a lot of pine needles around then. Over time, they've taken them out and stuff like that. And that's when I realized this is why having my head up and looking around feels good. Is because I'm connecting. My brain is doing the thing that it does. It's taking things that aren't related and connecting them. It's continually making connections. And when our brain, like uh, I had a friend who was a, a martial art martial arts instructor. And he said something I haven't forgot. He said, your body works better the more you use it. Because that's what it's meant to do. Your brain works better the more you use it. And your brain feels better the more you use it. And not in necessarily a forced way, but in a natural way, making connections. So when you're walking and you're looking at things, whether it is in a place you've never been or a place that you've been before, but you've turned off that mundane switch, what you're doing is making connections. At writing this, you're the best you're my best student or you're really special out of all these groups. You're gifted. Um, There's something about you just naturally makes you a better soccer player. Um, You're great. You know what I mean? Um, We all want to, we all want to feel special in that way. Or like you are the most beautiful out of all of these people. Like, Oh, that makes me feel so special. makes me feel so good when I hear that. So, um, so when it comes to the idea of white supremacy, it taps into that very basic desire to feel, good. And I mean, that's why there's such a backlash the last couple of years against, um, you know, people not even wanting to address the, uh, the issue of, you know, police brutality against African-Americans, against black people, because, you know, the subject got switched to now it's disrespecting the troops. Well, you know, the brilliant move that that is on the part of those people who don't want to talk about the issue is now you've changed the issue. Um, so like people in my family back in Ohio, they hate Colin Kaepernick. You know what I mean? Um, and it's because they don't want to think about police brutality, uh, because they don't experience it and they never have experienced it and they don't want to face that problem. So they lean into the distraction argument that has been presented to them. Now they don't have to. Now they don't have to deal with it. They don't have to, they don't have to address the idea that, that there's uh, inequality happening and that they're on the good side of it. Because, I mean, as a white, straight white man in stand-up comedy, um, to sit here and act like I didn't enjoy the privilege that I was given and the access and the, you know, all that kind of stuff for ever since I first started 18 years ago is, you know, total bullshit. Um, and it wasn't until the last handful of years that, you know, that started to really 
get changed. And thank God. And it's no coincidence that stand-up comedy is more popular than ever. Why is it more popular than ever? Because of the infusion of diversity in stand-up comedy. Um, There is no longer people, uh, you know... It's not token-based anymore where it's like white dudes and then, oh, there's one chick and one black dude. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and it's operating from like a sense... I mean, just the idea of calling someone ethnic um, means they're not white, right? Um, Which means white is normal. White is the baseline. Yeah, it's a normative statement. It's a normative statement. So the fact that we even have the word ethnic is, you know, shows you where we're launching from and everything, right? Um, So I don't know. I mean... You know, in the paranormal world, there's all these theories. There's millions of theories and millions of people telling you, you know, what aliens seeded us here or what hybrids we are with what aliens. And this is where, excuse me, this is where it starts to get a little bit dicey sometimes is when you start hearing people talk, (coughs) excuse me, when you start hearing people talk about the different aliens uh, breeding with like humans early, like the first humans have created the different races of human. Mm-hmm. So they're basically, some of them may be resetting up this whole Aryan paradigm, you know, the purer blood. And, you know, there's this race that bled, uh, that bred with these aliens. Therefore they are the better. Yeah. Yeah. Or these totally different aliens bred with the Neanderthals or whoever else and created black people. Yeah. Uh, but the good aliens bred with blah, 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 and created yeah, the, the white people. The did this. And yeah. Yeah. Those, those guys are lizards. Yeah. And so that's, that's where it gets, that starts where it's like, well, okay, what are we, where are you getting this information from other than just channeling it, right? From some source while you're in a meditation. Um, so it can be, you know, into the world of the paranormal. It's such a, it's kind of like the wild, wild west in that way, where if anybody has an idea that can resonate at all, you know, you're given a microphone. I mean, all you have to do is start a podcast. Um, you know, and if it gets popular enough, guess what? Now you're at the convention because you can draw, you can bring numbers. Um, which has happened so many times. Uh, it doesn't matter what you're saying as long as you can get people through the turnstile, as they used to say. If people will buy tickets, they don't, you know, some people don't give a shit about message as long as you're contributing to their financial betterment. And so, you know, that's that whole capitalism thing again. It doesn't matter what you're saying as long as you're making us money. And, you know, some people just want to make money. They don't want to truly investigate the world of the paranormal. They might have a passing. Oh my God, that startled me. <laughs> Sorry. Some guy just started up a leaf blower and the dog's pissed off. <laughs> that sentence shocked me. Was, okay. I just watched Venom last night. And I almost felt like Venom when like the death of the four, between four and 6,000. I, I was just talking about that movie yesterday. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just watched it last night for the first time. Um, and a uh, big fan of Tom Hardy. But, uh, me too. Yeah, so I don't know, like, I don't know where, and it's not my job to tell people who's, who's full of shit and who's telling the truth. Um, you know, when it comes to this stuff, cause it's, it's virtually impossible in many cases to do so, cause you just don't know. Um, but you know, people's actions over a long period of time will show you, um, what they're, what they think of and, or, you know, why they're doing certain things. And, you know, that's what, you know, that's what we can hope for is that, you know, our discernment will grow in time. And, but, the world of paranormal, there's a new world being built. And um, that world includes, you know, diversified voices, um, inclusion, and, uh, you know, a lot less of this, uh, you know, kind of 
supremacy mindset as far as you know the orthodox that you mentioned earlier like David Wilcock and Corey Good what they were so brilliant at doing as far as like from a financial aspect is making themselves they position themselves as the experts and if you had a government insider talking about a space pro a secret space program or aliens and if they didn't know who that insider was you're lying because they know them all and they're the guys that the government insiders come to. They are the mouthpiece, right? Like the way Trump says, everything is fake news. So if you want real news, you got to follow my Twitter account. Exactly. You cut off all other sources of information. And now you control the narrative all the time. It's a real fascist move. And so, you know, in that way, I'm not calling David Wilcock and Corey Good fascists. Uh, but I am saying that what they did as far as the flow of information goes, they cut it all off. And tried to make everyone believe that unless it was coming from them, you couldn't trust it. And that's a problem. Right. Because fascist governments will uh, start clamping down on books and uh, at the time, radio or television broadcasts because they're doing the same thing. It's that same ideology. It's that, like you said, come to me, I'll tell you what's real. And therefore, you're in control of all avenues of information. Yeah, and anytime someone um, really tries to suppress uh, an opposing voice, um, like with extreme measures, like as long as that, like if that voice isn't personally attacking them, I mean that's one thing to be like, you know, disparaged or you know, libel or, or you know, all those legal terms for like really trying to tarnish someone's reputation and like you know or whatever affect them in a way like, but like getting personal and like doing it in a way that's you know below the belt or illegal when someone's trying to like like docs is the word a lot of people will use like when like a fascist government like if you speak out against them you will be silenced um so you know when when these people in positions of power try to silence and actively try to silence people who are speaking out against them or simply just you know a better example would be simply asking questions like please provide can you please provide me some proof of these, you know, enormous claims you're making. Um, please provide me the tiniest shred of evidence of this thing that you say uh, I need to believe. And when those people are attacked for simply asking for a tiny bit of information, that should send off some alarm bells. And that's exactly. what ha- and that's what happens with like the Wilcock and the Corey Good situation, where Corey Good starts doxing people. Um, and granted, those. You know, I don't know all the details of that because I try to stay out of the paranormal drama, the the drama rama. Um, but like, it's uh, you know, I've never been into the drama rama, skating around this, you know, the roller skate rink, just fucking talking shit to everybody, like, and listening to people talk shit. Um, but it's you know, well, that's a, a way of distracting people from the truth as well. Exactly. You know, you let them get caught up in these the, these petty battles, and then you don't have to worry about like what you were saying. Like, where's that shred of evidence? Yeah, and at the end of the day, we all just want to know the truth, man. Like, you know, and whenever there's people willing to believe and willing to listen, there's somebody who realizes it's an opportunity to make a lot of money and or whatever else or, you know, fame or something like that. But if you think you're going to get... This is the funniest thing to me. Like me and I'll joke around with some friends. It's like, Bigfoot ain't making you rich, dog. Like you, you ain't going to get rich off Bigfoot. 
Um, you know what I mean? Like, like people who come into the paranormal world thinking they're going to get rich and famous from this stuff is like, Mothman ain't buying you a mansion. Like, <laughs> what do you think you're doing? Like, it's, it's, it's like almost, it's really funny to me. But um, it's at the end of the day, we all want the truth and we all want answers to um, some of these mysteries that we have experienced glimpses of in one way or another. And we want the world to know that, that there's more than what we've been told is out there because it changes, you know, it's a paradigm shift for the way we live as human beings, I think. I mean, the two big issues are survival after death and not being alone in the universe. And once we realize that death isn't real and that aliens are here, it changes the way everything operates. There's, those are the two biggest issues in, the, the uni- in literally the universe. Uh, for human beings. Um, Once we realize that death isn't real and that we're not alone, that changes everything, the way we go about things. And so to me, that's why paranormal investigation and doing research and, you know, never stopping, regardless of what the the climate of the community might be. That's that's why it's important to keep going because these are the two biggest things that could ever be discovered. You know, (laughs) I mean, in in one sense, it's very ironic and I find it hilarious that you could argue that when human beings realized we died, when we we became aware of our mortality, um, it's probably... Now, I'm not a scientist or an anthropologist or anything like that, but it would be my guess um, through thought experiments that that is probably the biggest revelation we had as animals, as creatures. Once we realized that we could be dead and the lights would go out, so to speak, that slowly but surely changed the way we behaved fundamentally from the top to the bottom of everything we did, right? Well, yeah, you can argue that that reality is what gave us our experience of time. Exactly. Yeah, with that, yeah, why would we why would we need time otherwise? And so when you consider that that's the biggest realization or the biggest revelation that the human animal has ever had in their life, other than maybe later or before that, obviously, before that becoming like, I am I, uh, I am me, you know, like the self-awareness aspect. Um, But outside of the death, the realization of death, there's nothing bigger. So how amazing would it be to, you know, thousands or millions or whatever, how many years it's been since we first realized that, that we realize oh, we were, oh, I was wrong about that. (laughs) Like, holy shit, man. Like we built this. I mean, none of these, I wouldn't even be traveling through space right now in this spaceship if I would have realized that that was bogus. Uh, My ancestors, you know, which I'm connected to on a conscious level. But like, that's the biggest realization or revelation we could have. Well, that's a great argument for why the unreal or the weird uh, paranormal, whatever word people prefer, may exist is that it may exist just as a reminder to us that we don't know everything and that there's always possibility for something beyond just this. You know, whether it is that uh, life is not just this, you know, the 80 some, some odd years that most of us live, if we're lucky, or that this is the only government or this is the only world. You know, like you talked about building a new world. Maybe the reason that we see strange things and that these things leak into our reality is to remind us not to just live within the box that's set in front of us. Yeah, and I can dig it. I definitely can dig that. There's, you know, who knows? Maybe we realize that death isn't real. And then we realize that the thousands of years that we thought we were mortal was 
you know, a real kind of joke on ourselves that we played on ourselves by believing it. And then a couple thousand years later, after we realized that death isn't real, we realized that death is real, but in a different kind of way that we never would have ever been able to think of before. Uh, And then, you know, the cycle continues. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, that would be kind of funny um, if we just kept going back and forth on that. Continually phasing in and out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? And uh, so, I mean, I I used to think that evolution stopped the moment we became aware of it. And um, it was just kind of like a a whimsical thing for me to like think about and say, you know, kind of sounded kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Is that a riddle? You know, kind of thing. Um, But it's, you know, I, you know, Truthfully, I don't have any of the answers. And um, that used to really, really bother me. And But like you said, maybe that's the beauty of it all is the mystery of it and the unanswerableness, um, which keeps us going. And you know, the questions are what's important and the answer uh, really is, is meaningless. Um, <clears throat> like Zen Cohen's. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. I mean, they say it's the journey, not the destination. Well, it's the questions, not the answer. Just as long as we keep asking, and no matter how many smaller answers along the way we think we get, I mean, those just birth, you know, countless new questions. And so even if we did realize that death isn't real, guess what? There Now there's a, there's a million more questions that pop up because we answered that. Yeah, I think for me, like looking at so many of these topics, what's always important to me is just the thinking about it. Like, what is what what happens to my brain when I expose myself to these ideas? Yeah, don't you feel your brain change, man? Like, isn't it kind of interesting? And hopefully, it's kind of like a chia pet if we can, you know, (laughs) people remember those. (laughs) Like, the questions are the water, and now you can kind of like feel your brain growing these new nodules and popping out, and like almost like transforming and changing shape. The more you make space in your brain for different for different ideas and different concepts, and you know, and like. To kind of bring it back full circle to what we were talking about earlier, depending on what information you're putting into that brain um, and what new space you're growing, it can either be, you know, it can be poisonous or it can be curative or it can just be, you know, curious. Uh, but if your brain's getting, you know, only being watered by, you know, negative, hateful, you know, separatist kind of thought, then you know, that your plant your, will be a reflection of that. And, you know, sooner or later, we hopefully can find a pair of scissors and start pruning away the, uh, the stuff. I mean, because there's shit in my brain that I don't want in there. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? What's like the, any, any derogatory word you can think of? I, this is something I think about a lot. They're like viruses. If you, heard, if you hear somebody use the N-word, you may never actually use that word in your whole life but it lives around in your brain for a little while after you hear it like a yeah. little poison. Yeah. It's the feelings and emotions and uh, connotations attached to that word that kind of can fester around in there. Yeah, like it's like it burns an impression in and you have to, after hearing it, you have to heal from it. Yeah. And you're like, why am I thinking about this word? Am I a bad person? <laughs> it's like, no, you, you know, it's like, well, no, you, you know, a bad person would never think that thought. Yeah. Your brain's flushing it. That's what's happening. It keeps surfacing because your brain's like, out, get out, get out yeah. of here. And I think once we realized, you know, specifically myself, once I realized the underlying problems that, uh, that go hand in hand with a lot of the paranormal world, you know, it's impossible to not, you know, be aware of them. You can't just turn a blind eye to like the, you know, the foundation of so many conspiracy theories is anti-Semitism. And it comes from right. like, 
you know, that one bullshit document, um, the protocols. And, um, you know, whenever people, whenever I hear someone say Zionist, I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Right. Um, never say I'll, that. They never say that word in a good way, do they? No, they don't. And, now, it doesn't matter what happens. They'll always, it'll always shift and transform itself. To be, it's like a chameleon. It'll be whatever it needs to be in the moment to survive. And, you know, Alex Jones goes down. And then guess what? There's somebody, there's other people in the conspiracy world saying, oh, Alex Jones was a Mossad agent. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? I'm like, I don't even know if I know what that means. I look it up and it's Israeli secret service, kind of like special forces, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Even this goes back to anti-Semitism. Um, it's like, well, first of all, he's a little big for that. <laughs> right? <laughs> I couldn't exactly. really see him doing some karate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or no, problem a guy, I guess. But why is he Mossad? You know, it's like, <laughs> that's the questions these people don't ask themselves. Yeah, why is like, he like, why? And why do I latch onto that? Who will enjoy the experiment that I'm doing on my Patreon. It's a little bit different than this in the fact that I had a general, like I said, I had some notes and a general arc of where I was going to go with this. But what I've been doing on Patreon is I've been doing about 45 minutes every day with no notes, just turning on the microphone and talking for about 45 minutes. I'm doing it over there. I'm I'm doing it to teach myself something. If you go listen to the episodes, I talk about it probably too much. I don't know how long I'm going to keep up the everyday, but I do think I'm going to keep up the practice of doing that. Maybe eventually it will you know, degrade to a once a week or twice a week thing. But right now I'm doing it every day. I gave it a fancy name just because I like naming things. I called it Fill the Dead Air as in fill the dead air of the radio, because that's that's the mindset that I'm trying to keep over there, which is pretend like you're on the radio, the microphone's on, and you can't stop. Because I think that it helps me move through these notes more organically instead of doing what I've done in the past before, which was filling the notes up with more than just one or two word clues. I start putting bulks of text up here and then end up just end up reading. I don't want to do that. I want to go through this in the moment. So doing that over there in a state of panic, because I don't know what I'm talking about or what I plan to talk about. It's it's a muscle that I'm trying to exercise. So if you're interested in that, you're interested in hearing more, become a patron. Support the support the work that I'm doing in front of this microphone, which It is, believe it or not, it is work. I enjoy it. It's one of the few things in life that I could apply the word work to and also the word enjoyment to. As for everything else, if I'm saying things like as for, that means that uh, my brain is turning off. I'm at the end of this. So thanks for tuning in. Hey, uh, you know, do me a favor too. Tell somebody about this show. If you're enjoying this, you like this format, that I'm doing right now, tell somebody. I don't pay for advertising and all that junk. I rely on organic. And the organic, that's you. So uh, be organic and share with a friend.